Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. I'm going to be reading today out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23. You know, I've been um, teaching Paul's letters in my class. I'm loving that. I can't wait this tomorrow night. I'm getting into the book of Ephesians. I feel like I'm going to fall into the Grand Canyon. Uh, Maybe I'll never come out. (laughs) Lost. You know, it's like you start getting into some of the book of Ephesians. It's like, so I'm going to go on a trail in the Alps. <laughs> See you in about 200 years. <laughs> but I've been reading the Paul's letters again and um, got, I got stuck on this one passage when Paul began to teach about communion, 1 Corinthians 11. You know, it's significant. If those of you that know anything about the Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, he starts to teach about the 12, 13, and 14 is the gifts of the Spirit. The body, he starts teaching about the body of Christ, then the gifts of the Spirit. Very important, but in, he, he, he leads into that for a reason with his teaching on communion. You can't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit if you're out of fellowship. Communion is fellowship. Fellowship with God and fellowship with the body of Christ. And if that's goofed up, you, the gifts of the Spirit are going to be—they're going to be tainted, and they're not going to be—they're not going to be authentic. It's dangerous. So anyway, First Corinthians 11, starting with verse 23. And oh yeah, this book was written about oh probably about um, 20 years, 20 years, after, 25 years after the resurrection. It was written before any any of the Gospels were written. Before Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, and it was um, so. This is the first written account of the Last Supper. Pretty powerful. So here you go, First Corinthians eleven. I received from the Lord. So Paul said, "I received this from the Lord. <laughs> I received from the Lord that that which I also delivered to you." Kind of reminds me of what Peter said: "Silver and gold have I none, but that which I have give I you." So he's given us something here. That the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this morning, one of the things, there are many things that will be happening as we take communion. One of the things that happens when you take communion is you're preaching the cross with your actions. You're proclaiming the Lord's death. By taking communion, you're saying, I believe in the death of Jesus. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I believe he's alive. You're preaching Christ with your actions, which is stronger than words. So therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way. Uh-oh, I remember reading that the first time. It scared the fire out of me as a young Christian. He's guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. I don't want to be said to be guilty 
whatever that means, of the body and blood of the Lord. But he says, but a person must examine himself. In so doing, he's to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now, many times people use that scripture to say that non-Christians shouldn't take communion. That's not what Paul's saying. He's talking to Christians. He's speaking to Christians that are they're claiming to be Christians. They're in church. And he says something that you need to examine yourself that you're not taking communion in improper way. Somebody it's quiet in this this Baptist church up in here this morning. Oh, yes, a Baptocostal church. I remember you preaching tongues at home. That's right. But, but yeah, say examine yourself. For the one who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not properly recognize, the King James says, discern, which to see or perceive, the body. Now, for, for, so that means, let me give you just the two things that it means, and we'll dig into it a little bit more, but it's talking about discerning the, the physical body of Christ, his death, and how he suffered and died for you. He bore your sickness and your sins and his body on the cross. So not properly seeing that or recognizing that, you're eating communion improperly. Now, the other thing is, is not discerning the body of Christ, which is sitting here in your midst, and which is scattered all over the planet today, not recognizing the, the mystical or spiritual body of Christ, being in, um, out of fellowship with the body of Christ, speaking against the body of Christ, having unforgiveness against the body of Christ, taking communion when you're, when you're in division and discord and fighting is not a wise idea. Don't shout me down in this place. Because this is the truth. I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. For he says, if this, if you do, he says, for this reason, because of this, he says, there's, there's people that are weak and sick in this church in Corinth because they ate communion wrong. He says, there's sick people in church because they're not taking communion rites. Wow. And a number are asleep. In other words, some of you died, some of them died because they took communion wrong. They got sick and died early. Wow, why is it so quiet in here? I don't understand. If we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But if we're disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the worlds. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, have him eat at home. Don't, don't come to the, the, the communion meal or love feast. They had more than just a cracker and drink with their communion. And he says, if you, if you don't come hungry and make it into a gluttonous feast, he says, if you're hungry, eat at home so that you're not come together for judgment. As for the remaining matters, I'll give instructions when I come. Some more instructions about communion when he comes. So let's let's go. We're gonna we're gonna dig into this. As a matter of fact, I wanna I wanna I wanna just soak on this personally. I wanna soak on this communion stuff today. We're gonna take communion this morning. We're gonna take communion again tonight. And I wanna I wanna feast on God. I wanna meditate on God. I want Him to soak into my soul, and I want His body and His blood to have its effect on my spirit, my soul, and my body. There's healing in the in the in the communion. There's healing for your spirit, soul, and body. I don't want to just eat crackers and grape juice this morning. I want to take God in in a new way. And I want it to have an impact, a real impact on my soul and on my life. 
I want, I want to live long. I don't want to be, I don't want to be cantankerous. I don't want to be a bitter, angry old man. I want to walk in, in childlike faith until the day I die. I want to walk with the Lord. I want to move in the ways of the Holy Ghost until I, I lay this body down. I want to finish my race. How about you? I don't want to, I don't want to be divisive. So anyway. Let's start with the first to give thanks. First Corinthians eleven twenty four. When he had given thanks, he took it and he gave thanks. Now this was the Passover meal. He was eating the Passover meal on the day all the other Jewish people were eating Passover. He was eating with his family, his spiritual family, his twelve disciples. All over Israel, they were sitting down that night and they were taking their Passover meal. But this was different from all the rest because Jesus was bringing a revelation of something that was going to be a part of every church until he came back again. He was revealing the Last Supper out of the Passover feast, the Jewish Passover feast. And when he began to, to, he was acting as the head of the family, as the father, and he was passing out the food. And when he'd given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. After he had given thanks... The word thanks there, this is a beautiful word. Many of you know it. It's Eucharisteo. I wonder what that is. Eucharist, right? Eucharist. It literally means to give thanks. And, and the, the early church took this phrase, the giving of thanks, and tied it to communion. And they began to tie it to the body and blood of Jesus, the Eucharist. We're, take, we're giving thanks to the Lord. So when we, one of the things that happens when you eat His body... And you drink his blood. You're saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You found me when I was lost. Lord, I don't take that as casual or unimportant. I thank you that you took me out of darkness. You brought me out of my world of shame. And you brought me into the kingdom of God. I was not your son, but now I've become your son or your daughter. You've redeemed me with your precious blood. You've put your blessing upon my life. You've given me a spiritual family. You've given me a family family. You've provided for me every day. You've healed my body. You've healed my mind. And you're doing above and beyond anything I could ask or think. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's a big part of what communion is. It's our Thanksgiving feast. This is our Thanksgiving feast. We're having Thanksgiving in a few weeks from now. But, but this is our Christian Thanksgiving. Eucharisteo, I give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His mercy endures forever. You know, you can find these notes online. I'm not going to, I've got all kind of blogs and stuff that I don't have time to, to, to read here. But this, we'll go to the second part. I'm going to read verse 23 and 24 out of the Passion. And a um, little twist on, on it here. He said, Paul says, I've handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to the disciples and said, take it and eat your fill. This is from the Aramaic New Testament. Take it and eat your fill. It's my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I, I love the nuances we, we find when we look at the original language of the scripture. Jesus probably spoke this originally in the Aramaic language. He said, eat your fill, which can be said as eat and be satisfied. Wow, wow, wow. So as he gave the body and the blood to his, his disciples, he said, eat and be satisfied. Eat and be satisfied. 
Eat and be satisfied. And that's, it rings of John chapter 6. He who eats this bread and drinks this blood will never hunger and will never thirst. Eat and be satisfied. This, this is the only meal that you'll ever eat that truly satisfies you. Oh, you can eat the greatest Thanksgiving feast or the greatest feast of whatever you like. And at the end of the day, you're still, you're still hungry for more. And there's still, it wasn't perfect no matter how good it was. But this is the perfect meal that satisfies not our physical body alone, but it satisfies the very depths of our soul. So this morning, as we take the communion, we're saying, I thank you, Lord. And as we take this body and this blood, we're saying, oh, I'm going to eat and I'm going to be satisfied with Jesus. The world will never satisfy me. I can't find a human relationship that will ever totally satisfy me. I can't find a job or an accomplishment that will ever satisfy me or a home or possessions that will ever totally satisfy me. I can't get enough money in the bank or in my IRA to totally satisfy me. But this does it. I am satisfied with Jesus. He's enough for me. Hallelujah. Yeah. So the Passover meal. So Matthew's account, Matthew 26, 26. While they were eating, Jesus said, took some bread and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Now, what was this Passover feast? For those, those that don't know, this was the last night, the very last night the Jews were in Egypt. They'd been in slavery for 400 years. And this was their last night before they left. The last night. And the Lord said, I want you to kill a, a lamb for each house. And there, there's one, uh, one lamb for every ten people. If you need two families, get together. But one lamb for each house. And I want you to eat this lamb... Be satisfied. Eat your fill of this lamb. And I want you to put the blood of this lamb on the doorposts of your house. And if you look at it, it was kind of like a, a cross on their house. I wonder what that meant. The blood of the lamb on their house. That night, judgment came on the whole land of Egypt. The angel of death came and killed. He came and killed every firstborn son across the entire, entire, the entire country, including Pharaoh's firstborn son. The only houses that were passed over, the only houses that were passed over were the ones that had blood on their house. The Passover. And Jesus was instituting this, this and bringing this teaching, the, the true meaning, that was a type and a shadow of the real. Moses brought them the shadow. Jesus was bringing the substance. He was bringing the real. Moses had a, a lamb. Jesus is the lamb. And he was, he was telling them, every time you eat, every time you eat, you're declaring my death. You're putting this blood on your family and on your households. And what else he's saying? He says, you're eating for your journey. There's protection on you. You're coming out of Egypt. I'm bringing you out of Egypt. And I'm bringing you into a new world, into a new land. A land of promise, says the Lord. And every time we're taking communion, we're celebrating. We're no longer part of the community of this world. We've come out. We have come out. 
I'm no longer part of Egypt. I'm no longer. Egypt represents this world and this world system. I don't act like them. I don't talk like them. I don't dress like them. I've come out of the world. And I have the blood marking me and the blood marking my household. This is my Passover meal. That's what we're declaring this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we're declaring. We give thanks to the Lord. Because he is good. We are giving thanks to him. And we're saying we have come out of this world system. We are eating until we're totally satisfied with God. Hallelujah. Now Christ is our Passover lamb. John one twenty nine. This was the first. I guess you'd have to say this is the first person that actually connected the dots between Jesus of Nazareth and the Passover lamb. It was John the Baptist. Cousin John, the preacher, the prophet, he was prophesying. He went out as the forerunner. He went and paved the way. He took the early heat till it cost him his life. He went and preached the kingdom of God. And he preached. He says, I'm not the one you've been waiting for. There's one coming after me who's mightier than I. He says, I'm not worthy to reach down and untie the sandals of his feet. The one that's coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I baptize you with water, but one coming after me is mightier than I. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And he will be called the Lamb of God because he will take away the sins of the world. He said it in John 1.29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him. To be baptized. He looked at him. And by revelation he pointed to him and said, look, look over there. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What kind of talk is that? No wonder Jesus said this is the greatest prophet up until now. The greatest of the Old Testament prophets. Didn't write a book, didn't have a miracle, but he had the greatest revelation of Christ that anyone had. John, the baptizer. He, what did he reveal that Jesus is our Passover lamb? He's my lamb of God. I feast on him and he's enough for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to let me get to the, to the best part of this. The best part of this morning. I have so much more that I'll share with you tonight as we take communion again but discerning his body let's go back to this part whoever eats or drinks of the body of the lord in an unworthy way shall be guilty of the body and the blood of of christ for a person must examine himself the one who eats and drinks each drug judgment to himself if it does not properly discern the body of christ um you know Paul made an incredibly strong statement here. He said that some of the members of the church at Corinth were sick because they had not discerned the Lord's body when taking communion. Paul even said some had died early. He, he, he was actually, he went on to say two things. First, not recognizing the spiritual significance of the nature of the church, the body of Christ. And he also, he also said, um, also not recognizing the spiritual significance of the death of Christ was not discerning the body properly. So, first of all, yeah, first of all, I, I'm, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but when we are, when you're taking communion, one of the critical things, search your hearts 
You don't have to look far. Am I holding something against someone? Have I been talking about someone? Come on. Is there something in my life? This is what he's saying. Am I, and even more than, am I criticizing the body of Christ? Am I speaking against the leadership of the body of Christ? I'm not saying they're perfect. Oh, no, they're foul. Every one of us have faults. Every one of us have things you could speak against or recognize. But love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers doesn't uncover. And so when you take, if you love, if you're walking in love and you're walking in forgiveness, you're forgiving and you're praying. If there's somebody you feel like is, is in error, you pray for them and forgive them and bless them as you take communion. And you're recognizing, I'm not just taking communion for myself. I'm not just sitting home on my, on my sofa taking communion for myself. I'm part of the house of God's. This is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is where Jesus lives. I recognize that I'm connected to this body. If one member suffers, I'm suffering. If one member's in trouble, I'm in trouble. We're to walk in love and care for one another and discern the body of Christ. Why? So God can move in our midst so that we're not going to get sick and die early. That we can be effective in our testimony and in our witness. That we won't be hindered in our Christian walk. That the same thing we're accusing others of won't come back on us. And this is where, uh, this is, I'm going to, this last part before we take communion. This is the other part. That's discerning the, the body of Christ, this mystical body of Christ. But the other part is, is the, the body of Christ, the man. To discern his body. To recognize in, 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 in communion, we're recognizing the humanity of God. We're recognizing that God became one of us. There was some stupid song on the radio. It was on all over the radio a few years back. What if God was one of us? Just a, a slob like one of us. You know, that's not far. He became one of us. In an un perfect family in an unperfect village living a natural life and an un, unusual life as a carpenter's son he dealt with the dirt and the sweat and all the the stuff of humanity he is one of us he became a man like one of us and he suffered and died like each one of us will but he suffered and died in a way far different and greater than each of us died because he not only died as a martyr he died as a sacrifice for our sins he was a sin offering, which none of us will ever have. If Even if you were martyred, you'll never become a sin offering. The sins of man will never be put on you. They were put on this one and this one only. Because he was the only sinless man. Jesus of Nazareth. Isaiah 53. You'd have to say he was the second greatest prophet. Because he had the great revelation of Christ in the Old Testament. He was despised. And abandoned my men. This is 700 B.C. A man of great pain and familiar with sickness. And like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we did not regard. We had no regard for him. However, it was our sicknesses that he himself bore. And our pains that he carried. 
Yet we assumed that he was that he had been afflicted and struck down by God and humiliated. He bore my sickness. He bore my disease. He bore my sin in his body on the cross. And by his wounds, I am healed. I am healed. There's healing in the cup of the Lord. There's healing in the body of Christ. Recognizing the sacrificial death of Jesus. Even this morning as we take communion. Let me, let me read this for you as we finish. This is one of the most important prophetic words in the Old Testament. About the sacrificial death of Jesus the Messiah. In this portion of the prophecy, Isaiah is prophesying about the healing nature of the Messiah. Jesus fulfills this word two ways. He carried our sicknesses away by his healing ministry on earth. And he carries away our sicknesses by his death on the cross. Just as he carried our sin at the cross, he also carried our sickness and our pain in his body on the cross. Paul touched on this in his teaching about communion in 1 Corinthians 11. He said that some people in the church in Corinth had gotten sick and even died prematurely because they did not discern the Lord's body. What was he getting at? First, not discerning the Lord's body had to, be, had to do with being out of harmony with the local church, not recognizing your connection to other church folks and walking in unforgiveness would qualify for that. But Paul was also talking about not seeing the sacrificial nature of the death of Christ and not taking communion with that in view. Communion is a celebration of the double cure. Hallelujah. Be of sin a double cure, right? Communion is a celebration of the double cure. Jesus bore my sin and he carried away my sicknesses. When I look at the cup, I see my sin washed away. When I look at that body, I see my sicknesses taken on his body. He bore my suffering in his body on the cross. He bore my sin in his body on the cross. By his death, I'm forgiven and I'm made whole in the name of Jesus. Look to the sacrificial nature of his death. And you can experience the healing power of Jesus. You know, it's kind of like, you know, Jesus, you could say in theory, he bore the sins of the whole world. But not everyone receives it. Well, it's the same way for sickness. He bore the sicknesses and diseases, but, but not everyone receives it. The same way, the same way you got saved is the same way you get healed. It's the same way. It's not an accident. It's by faith. You take it. I believe that. I receive. It's not just a facade. You take it. I believe that he died for my sins. Therefore, my sins have been washed away. I believe that he bore my sickness in his body on the cross. And by his wounds, I was healed. I believe it. And today, I believe I'm eating. I'm eating and drinking. Restoration to my spirit, my soul, and my body as I take it. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.